This is the Stand Strong Podcast with Carrie Stoker, episode number 21, reading of The Song of Our Syrian Guest. Welcome to the Stand Strong Podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Stoker, and I help Latter-day Saint women strengthen their family relationships. Family life has many challenges, especially when a child suffers from mental illness. I understand these challenges, and I can teach you through stories and the Word of God how to navigate this challenging road. Hi, folks. Welcome back to the podcast. I just got done with a planning meeting for the Leading Saints Retreat, and we have certain women coming to speak and lead discussions there that I can't yet announce their names, but it's going to be amazing. And as soon as I am given the green light, I will let you all know who they are, but watch for that and listen for that. It's going to be so great. I just can't believe it. So really excited about that. Over the next couple of podcasts, I want to read to you a book that came recommended to me from a local institute teacher. The title of the book is called The Song of Our Syrian Guest. And it's written by William Allen Knight and illustrated by Charles Copeland, only except you unfortunately won't be able to see the illustrations. And they're beautiful and there are many. So if you have the chance to get your hands on this book, I would so recommend it. But it was published January 1st, of 1904. So that's 118 years ago. Long time ago. And I have a copy of the book. It's beautiful. It's a little hardbound book. And I wanted to read it today. So the book goes over Psalms chapter 23 in a story form. In a conversation between a Syrian shepherd and his hosts, which is a man, his wife, and two young daughters. And while I'm reading... Listen for the part where it explains that sheep come as a group to the water to drink. In my opinion, this has significant application to us as Christians today. Okay, now, the story. The Dedication Page To the hand that held the tea ball and the faces of the two little maids. Salutation Three months have gone by since this little child of my heart went out into the world, astrailing in the scanty dress of a booklet. In that time, many thousands have looked kindly on the little wanderer and welcomed it into their homes. Letters from everywhere have come in, saying, in effect, It came to my door yesterday, and its voice has been sweet to me, and I am glad to have it stay with me. For all this, I am most thankful, but it is hard to realize that the small circle of those who loved this story a few months ago has grown now to a multitude. Surely none of us ought to be surprised that our story has itself grown under all this kindness after the manner of children. Indeed, as we are sending it forth newly clothed, I find that it is larger by half than when I last prepared it for journeying. I am set to wondering whether it will not grow quite away from me and have a life of its own. Healthy children do that very thing usually, and wise parents are willing to have it so. But I cannot cease to remember that this story is out of my own life. It lay in my heart unborn for long. It came forth in a time of shock and pain. 
There is one who knows why its face is unmarred and bright with the gladness of trust. I think God has let it speak to so many hearts for this reason. Go then, little story. Be bearer of thy message of cheer and glad restfulness. I cannot follow thee into, into lives that need to hear thy voice, but speak thou to them, and I shall be content. Yet I know, friends of mine, that as you look up somewhere in the world from these pages, you will want to ask me a question. It has been asked and answered many times already, because I know some of you are in sick rooms. Some are lonely and some companioned by grief. Some are poor and some, for the time, are misunderstood. Some are discouraged and some feel themselves little loved. Some are young and cannot find their way. And some are old and wayworn. Because I know all of you have need of the shepherd's watch, I want to answer your question. Yes, we did indeed have such a guest, a man whose home was among the Syrian shepherds, a man who well knew the life which rightly interprets the shepherd psalm. I give my word that this story's message about the psalm's meaning is straight from David's land. We had such a guest, and he told us these things out of the life of his people as we sat together one night over fragrant cups of tea. Signed, William Actually, it's signed W-A-K, his initials, Boston, January 1904. Can there be anything more poetic than this life of the Syrian shepherd? It ought to be religious, too, far, far away, out on the lone mountains with the everlasting hills around and heaven above, pure blue and high and still. There go and worship in solemn silence, and soul-subduing solitude. Worship the Most High God in His temple not made with hands. And now the lights are out of the village, are out in the village. The shepherds are asleep by the side of their flocks. The tinkling bell from the fold falls faintly on the still night air, and the watchdog bays drowsily from his kennel at the gate. Good night, fair world. Tis time to seek repose. Let us first read and meditate upon that delightful chapter the tenth of St. John, where our blessed Savior appropriates all these characters of a good shepherd to himself. Signed, The Land and the Book. The Song of Our Syrian Guest. Okay, a little disclaimer, you guys, while I'm reading this, is that I'm not going to pronounce his name very good, but try to use your imagination, and here I go. Fajuel Maghag Hub, said our guest, laughing as he leaned over the tea table toward two little maids, vainly trying to beguile their willing and sweetly puckered lips into pronouncing his name. Fajuel Maghabaghad, he repeated in syllables, pointing to the card he had passed to them. Accent the U and drop those G's which your little throats cannot manage, he went on kindly. While the merriment sparkled in his lustrous dark eyes and his milk-white teeth, seen through his black mustache as he laughed, added beauty to his delicate and vivacious face. He was a man of winsome mind, this Syrian guest of ours, and the spirituality of his culture was marked as the refinement of his manners. We shall long remember him for the tales told that evening of his home in Enzahalta, 
on the slope of the Syrian mountains, but longest of all for what he said out of the memories of his youth about a shepherd's song. It was out of the shepherd life of my country, he remarked, that there came long ago that sweetest religious song ever written, the 23rd Psalm. After the ripple of this of his merriment with the children had passed, he turned to me with a face now serious and pensive, and said, Ah, so many things familiar to us are strange to you of America. Yes, I answered, and no doubt because this, we often make mistakes which are more serious than mispronunciation of your modern names. He smiled pleasantly, then with earnestness said, So many things in the life of my people— the same now as in the days of old, have been woven into the words of the Bible and into the conceptions of religious ideas as expressed there. You of the Western world, not knowing these things as they are, often misunderstand what is written, or at least fail to to get a correct impression from it. Tell us about some of these, I ventured, with a parental glance at the two listening little faces. After mentioning several instances, he went on. And there is the shepherd psalm. I find that it is taken among you as having two parts, the first under the figure of shepherd life, the second turning to the figure of a banquet with the host and the guest. Oh, we have talked about that, said my lady of the teacups as she dangled the tea ball with a connoisseur's fondness. And we have even said that we wished the wonderful little psalm could have been finished in the one figure of a shepherd life. It seems to us, I added, wishing to give suitable support to my lady's rather brave declaration of our sense of a literary flaw in the matchless psalm. It seems to us to lose the sweet, simple melody and to close with strange heavy chords when it changes to a scene of banquet hospitality. Do you mean that do you mean that it actually keeps the shepherd figure to the end? Certainly, good friends. With keen personal interest I asked him to tell us how we might see it as a shepherd's psalm throughout. So we listened, and he talked over the cooling teacups. It is all, all a simple shepherd's psalm, he began. So how it runs through the round of shepherd life from first word to last. With softly modulated voice that had the rhythm of music and the hush of veneration in it, he quoted, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This is the opening strain of its music. In that chord, it sounded the keynote, which is never lost, till the plaintive melody dies away at the song's end. All that follows is the thought put in varying light. I wish it were possible to reproduce it here, the light in his face, and the interchange of tones in his mellow voice as he went on. He talked of how the very needs of the sheep and the many-sided care of the shepherd are pictured with masterly touch in the short sentences of the psalm. Each is distinct and adds something too precious to be merged and lost, he said. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, dash nourishment, rest. He leadeth me beside the still waters. The scene changes and so does the meaning. You think here of quietly flowing streams, so you get one more picture of rest but you miss one of the finest scenes in shepherd life and one of the rarest blessings of the soul that is led of God. All through the day's roaming, the shepherd keeps one thing in mind. He must lead his flock to a drinking place. The refreshment of good water makes the coveted hour of the day. 
The spot where it is found amid the rough, waterless hills and plains is the crowning token of the shepherd's unfailing thoughtfulness. When at last the sheep are led beside the still waters, how good it is after the dust and heat of the sheep walks. Would you get the shepherd meaning here? Then remember that streams are few in the shepherd country of Bible lands. The shepherds do not rely on them. Even where streams are found, their beds and banks are usually broken and their flow rough. Sheep are timid and fear a current of water, as they well may, for they are easily carried downstream because of their wool. Poor things! How do they ever get a good drink? exclaimed one of the two little maids, whose heart was always open lovingly to animals. The shepherd sees to that, doesn't he? said the other timidly, with earnest eyes on our guest. His face beamed with winsome relish of these tributes to his success. Yes, the sheep would indeed have a hard time finding water to drink, were it not that the shepherd sees to that. The playfulness faded from his eyes, and the shadow of manhood's years was there as he said to me, Brother, you and I have learned how much is in that question and answer. How would we get the refreshment we need in the rough world if the shepherd did not see to that? But he does. He does. His face brightened again as he turned to the four blue eyes across the table. Shall I tell you how the shepherd sees to it that the sheep have a good drink every day? Listen, there are wells and fountains all through the vast regions where the flocks roam, and in some parts there are cisterns, though the sheep like the living water best. The shepherds know where these drinking places are all through the treeless country where streams are few. It is a fine sight to see the shepherds bring their flocks beside the still waters, at some well or fountain, while the wide, silent country over which they and many other sheep have wandered spreads all around them, and the full expanse of the sky arches over them. The shepherd makes a certain sound, and all the sheep lie down and are quiet. Then he fills the drinking troughs. The bubbling of the fountain, or the current, if it be by a stream, is no longer there to trouble the sheep. They can drink now undisturbed. This is the delicate meaning of that word, still. As the Hebrew words put it, he leadeth beside the waters of quietness. Then the waiting sheep hear a whistle or a call. They never misunderstand. They know their shepherd's voice and never respond to the wrong shepherd if several flocks have come up together. And strangest of all, the sheep come up by groups. The shepherd makes them understand. So in groups, he leads them until they stand beside the still waters. And oh, how they drink while the sh- with the shepherd standing near. After a pause with a far-off look in his eyes, he said, It is a beautiful scene, so beautiful that St. John has used it in picturing heaven. A smile broke over his face as he quoted, The lamb that is in the midst of the throne shall be their shepherd and shall guide them unto fountains of waters of life. No one spoke as he sat turning his teacup. A a, A tear started from his dropped eyes. Presently he seemed to recall himself. But I must tell you one more scene that comes to my memory whenever I read the words, He leadeth me beside the still waters. It would make a beautiful picture if someone would paint it. Up in the mountainsides of Lebanon, where my kinsmen have long been shepherds, 
Often there are no regular drinking places, such as the wells and fountains on the plains, but as the shepherd leads his sheep over the rough slopes, he finds many a spring and sees its rivulet noisily running down a crevice. His sheep need water. They cannot drink from the leaping little stream. What does he do? He finds a suitable turn or nook in its course. He walls it up with a little dam and so holds the water till it forms a quiet pool. Then, right there on the open hills, he leads his sheep beside the still waters. I know of nothing more fit to picture the shepherd's care of souls that trust him than that scene up there on the mountainside. Well, my friends, that concludes my reading for this week. I've read half of it, and then I'll read the other half next week. And I'm excited to share this book with you. Just so much has opened my mind um, or by reading this. I've just had my mind open so much to the Savior's role in my life and, um, and the meaning of this psalm and what the shepherd does has really been opened up. So I look forward to more story next week. I'll talk to you then. If you like the Stand Strong podcast, please like and subscribe. 